After the Affair podcast with me, Luke Shillings, is here to help you process, decide, and move forward on purpose following infidelity. Together, we'll explore what's required to rebuild trust not only in yourself, but also with others. Whether you stay or leave, I can help. And no matter what your story, there will be something here for you. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the After the Affair podcast, episode number 42 with myself, Luke Shillings. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Fakan Dandia. He's a father, men's coach, therapist, group facilitator, podcaster and author. Just some of the things to look forward to in today's conversation is pivoting after significant life events. The challenge of expressing emotions, particularly for guys. Not doing what we should do or what we think we should do. How to take on new habits and make them stick. And also the plateau of latent potential and how that can prevent us from making progress in whatever it is that we're trying to achieve. So without further ado, let's jump straight into it. Okay, it's uh, great to finally meet you. Khan, we've been um, this has been arranged now for a little while. I've been looking forward to hearing all about your story, and uh, hopefully, my guests will find it useful today. And I'm just looking forward to see where it goes. So, without further ado, would you be able to introduce yourself and let us just know a little bit about your backstory and and and, and why you're here? Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for having me on, Luke. Uh, my name's Furkan Dandia, and I'm a therapist, author, and podcaster myself. I, my journey really started five years ago, roughly, or it's been over five now, but when I w- was going through a divorce and uh, uh, I really struggled with that. I felt alone uh, in isolation. I lost contact with a lot of friends and family just going through that. And most of it was on my own because of the shame I was experiencing of going through that experience. But fortunately, I was able to seek out therapy and get support from from the therapists, various therapists I worked with over the course of two, three years, diving deep into not only what was happening for me while going through the divorce, but then as things progressed, starting to dive deeper into my own trauma from childhood that I, I had suppressed and didn't bring to my conscious awareness until that time. So that whole experience made me realize how I'm not the only one who's probably struggling in this way. And a lot of the men I was observing or was talking to were having similar struggles in their own lives. And a lot of my friends in my social network were also experiencing different types of challenges with shame, whether it was relationship related or in most cases, it was even just being able to provide for their families or having a career. So lots of shame. So that almost inspired me to be become an advocate from a mental health perspective for other men. And that started my, my journey of becoming a therapist. So in the me- middle of the pandemic, I applied to school to do a master's in psychology, which was a pivot from be- because I'm an engineer by background. So quite the career transition. And then when I started that program, I also started like I said, having deeper 
conversations with other men and realized that this could be a podcast where other people can tune in and hear the stories of others, perhaps relate and recognize that they're also not alone in their journeys. So how could I create that environment where people can relate and, and connect? So yeah, that really started two and a half years ago. And now I'm pretty much done my psychology program and uh, I'm hoping at the end of this year I can transition full-time into therapist and uh, a couple months ago I also released my first book The Pursuit of Self-Love which is really a culmination of the journey I went on for for myself to find love uh, for myself and heal and then with the hopes of sharing that with the world so yeah amazing yeah perfect clear understanding of where you've come from and where you've been over the last last five years or so so there's just some similarities here it's interesting these i, I spent probably the first part of my career actually in hospitality um, and then mm -hmm. i moved into a, a more manufacturing stroke engineering type type role um, and did yeah. that for around 10 years and I've, I've always and i've said before on the podcast i've often felt like i never really knew what it was i wanted to do with my life and then I, all of a sudden, I've finally, I've reached this age, there's been this sudden impact in my life, you know, a, a infidelity and divorce for me a few years ago. And it sort of sent me on this trajectory, which I had never anticipated or expected, or although I'd always had like this interest in psychology and how people work it it wasn't something i'd pursued in it really in it to any other than recreational you know at yeah. any, any length in my earlier part of my life so how much of a you know on, on reflection when you think back comparing sort of like the earlier version of you to to the the more recent like how much of a surprise was that pivot for you and yeah yeah i mean looking back is a lot easier uh but like if i were to put myself back five even ten years ago i don't think i would have predicted that for myself but looking back now it kind of makes sense I've always been more in tune with people's emotions and my own uh, even though I struggled with expressing my emotions which obviously led me down this path um, I recognized looking back now that yeah that was always something inherent and I I you know, we often have to make a decision early in our lives where we haven't really experienced many things to what we want to do in life. And at that point, I, w I had a strong skill set in math and physics. So I just gravitated towards engineering because I couldn't figure out what else I would do with my life. But yeah, that people aspect was always there. And, and now that I'm in this field and I'm working with people, I realize how much I enjoy it and how much I'm able to offer because uh, I can connect with people and experience empathy for them and, and not take on their emotions necessarily because that's something I have to work on myself as a therapist otherwise you experience burnout but yeah it is shocking in terms of the path I've taken because that's not something I envisioned obviously and, and didn't predict for myself but it makes sense because I enjoy being with people and and supporting and and having that connection i it's you you mentioned this this pursuit of self-love and mm -hmm. i think for many guys 
this again this is even sometimes i know that there will be some people listening thinking what you know what's mm-hmm. that all about and it, it's it's something that i've spoken about on the podcast before and i think it's absolutely essential to be able to build solid connected relationships externally if you can't if you can't mm-hmm. sort of make that connection with yourself first and really understand that so what was the turning point for you when you you recognized that maybe and i know you haven't said this per se but you recognized that you weren't self-loving let's say and, mm-hmm. and and what sort of shone that light on for you when was was there like a, an aha moment or how did that come about yeah i mean you know you've touched on infidelity and that was kind of how, what terminated my marriage too because i was unhappy and i figured that if i can find love from someone else maybe that will bring happiness and it didn't, it was a band-aid solution. And I ended up staying in a relationship with the person I had an affair with. And that lasted for a few years and that ended. And when I came out of that, I had to really, once I got over the the sadness and the, the loneliness, I had to look inward and I had to be very honest with myself and recognizing that, okay, you know, there's a lot of patterns that are being repeated. Um, this is a second failed relationship and I'm, I was part of both. So how much of responsibility am I willing to take? And at that point I had to take full responsibility and it was recognizing there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. There's a lot of childhood behaviors and beliefs that I've continued to repeat despite going for therapy and all of that so it the the focus had to shift inward and that's really that turning point for me realizing that okay i haven't been taking care of myself i haven't been giving myself love because i've been chasing it from others and with the hopes that if someone else loves me then i'm good enough but how can i give that to myself and the process for me became, and I alluded to it earlier, the sense of solitude where I pulled back and really focused on my needs and how to take care of myself. And that some examples was focusing on my sleep, focusing on what I was putting into my body in terms of food, making all of those things a priority because those weren't a priority because I was constantly chasing validation externally. So that meant I would compromise my sleep so I could go out and meet people or be around people. That meant uh, eating out as part of going out and compromising on my nutrition. That meant not prioritizing my mental health because I was constantly prioritizing time out or around certain people. So that shift inwards really meant, okay, having a regiment where I was sleeping appropriately getting enough sleep I was eating properly and I was making time to cook myself healthy meals I was prioritizing my mental health so that meant making time for journaling and some of the other practices I needed and I was also prioritizing my physical health not compromising on my workouts um, and being more disciplined and then ultimately I started stacking those habits and continued to improve and I started feeling better and I started feeling validated on my own, but it was a significant process that continued to build over time. And then I realized that, okay, this is the best I've felt in my whole life. 
there was no like ex need for external validation and that alone reinforced all the work I was doing I, I love hearing these these stories and I think it's I think for, for many people you know we, we all are we all hear like the gurus out there of you know what you should do and and you know we, we all know that if we feed ourselves well and we rest properly and we you know are active and you know all of these things um that that is going to lead to improvements mm -hmm. however <laughs> the the pattern that most people take is not in line with those things right. so I know. I noticed you mentioned the the phrase habit stacking there, and that just made me think of um, uh, Atomic Habits, uh, the book by mm -hmm. is it James Clear? I think it is, which is yeah, an amazing book is. for anybody who hasn't read that. I highly recommend it. Um, so actually, I was going to ask just to see if you could. Uh, obviously, you've mentioned that part. Was there any other sort of techniques, strategies to? Because I think sometimes it can just seem like too much. Like it's like I know that that's what I need to do, but every time mm -hmm. I try, I fail. I've I've maybe gone on a diet and I've done it thirty days, or maybe I've done one of these, you know, push up or sit up thirty day challenges, or or maybe I've managed to cut out a particular either chocolate or alcohol or whatever for a month, mm -hmm. but then I always fall back into my old routine. Like, mm -hmm. how how did you get past that, and and what what strategies did you use to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's probably three themes that I'll highlight through that. But first of all, it was committing to myself that I'm going to and I started off small. I didn't set a lofty goal because, you know, again, to your point, we all know we all have that information. It's easily accessible, but in practice, it's hard. So, you know, the number of times I get disciplined and then fall back especially in the summers um, in canada the winters are long so you have a limited window of, of getting out and enjoying and and being out but uh yeah it was it was holding myself accountable so initially it was like okay i'm gonna focus on my sleep for two weeks and in that period i'm gonna cook myself meals and see and then i think sometimes you know one of the things to your point gurus advise all these things and, and they recommend it but sometimes you need to experience the dark side, as I say, to appreciate the light. And so, you know, I, I came out of this toxic environment that I put myself in during the pandemic and then experiencing the other side, just I'd never slept eight hours consistently for two weeks in a row. And fortunately on my podcast, I had a sleep expert who came and said, I, for anyone who thinks or you know they can get away with five or six hours of sleep or because most of the time when we're busy we compromise our sleep it's the easiest one to give up always he yeah so he challenged anyone who was listening that give it a shot for even just one week and notice the difference so I gave it two weeks and I felt great and it was like okay and since then I haven't looked back so it was those little things I did and I started feeling the immediate rewards where it was like, okay, so now I want to build this and 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 uh, make it a priority. Now, did I fall short at times? And in the past, when I would fall short, I would use that as an excuse to continue uh, compromising those habits or uh, practices and not get back. But the way I looked at it is like, okay, well, I fell short. 
now I start again, today's day zero, and we start again and continue to get back on that train and continue to do it. And over time, so that's the other thing I want people to recognize is you can't try to do too many things at once. And this was not something I set out to do at the time, but looking back, this is how it worked out. And, you know, we talked about atomic habits and James Clear talks about it is like, make small incremental changes. So it's not try to achieve like a 20% improvement in one day, try to do 1% at a time. And over the course of the year, it's exponential. So that's what happened for me is it was the sleep, then it was the eating, then it was like the cold therapy. And I continued to build these positive habits in my life over time. And I would hear about something. Uh, I was trying to learn through podcasts, reading books, and I would implement something and see how it felt. If it didn't feel great or I didn't notice a difference, then I would make tweaks along the way. But I continued to really stack those habits where now I have a really good morning routine where I take two hours to myself before I start anything else. And I feel great. I feel emotionally regulated. I feel in my body. And even if I'm having a tough time, if I'm going through a difficult season of my life, what, sometimes you have a few days here and there where maybe your mood isn't the best or something's going on externally that it's hard for you to stay focused, I'm not compromising on those practices. And after doing it for a year and a half, now it feels like it's became, become a part of me. So that plasticity in my brain and th those habits have become something I'm used to. So like now it's like clockwork. I'm up at 5 a.m. and I'm out of bed. Before it was like always kind of pushing myself and, and struggling with it. But now it's just become routine for me and it feels like something innate. I'm, I'm, sm I'm smiling as you're talking here, because obviously I'm seeing a lot of this in myself, despite mm -hmm. I, I've also been through various phases of really good sleep habits, and I've actually been able to maintain them for, for quite some time. And then some circumstantial event has happened, uh, which has just rocked the boat a little bit. And then mm -hmm. I find myself like, it feels like I'm back at the start, like, mm -hmm. yet there are certain parts of my life where I'm able to take full control of that and really acknowledge that. And and I know I can with this as well. And I suppose it's fair to say that I'm choosing not to, <laughs> you, know, you know, if I'm going right. to be truly on, if I'm going to take full responsibility for myself and be honest with myself, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. But as you were talking there, it's making me think of the, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called the plateau of latent potential. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. But the, this idea, and, and I think a great example of this is like, you know, people joining the gym in, in January, you know, they right. get this influx in new members of the gym in, in January, they go to the gym, it's really hard work, you know, they're sweating, you know, there's all this like loads and loads of effort going in. And then they get sort of two or three, two or three weeks down the line, they look in the mirror and get on the scales and there's not really any difference or it's absolutely mm -hmm. minuscule, if anything. And it's like, oh, I'm putting all this effort in, I'm getting nothing. So if, it feels it's worthless. I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing the results, so I'm just going to give up. But of course, when you follow that on over time, you get to the point, let's say, for example, you did keep showing up and you did keep doing it and you keep that consistency over a course of, let's say, a year or two years, 
then mm-hmm. all of a sudden going to the gym doesn't feel like hard work anymore because it's become the habit. It's just you. It's your identity. It's who you are. It's your lifestyle. You've, you've become that person. And now all of the results that you that you now have, you know, you now maybe are at the ideal weight. Maybe your body does look the way it does, or maybe you can perform certain activities that you couldn't do before. You know, you've got that fitness and that strength. You're not getting injured as, as often. It's not really because you're at the gym there that day. It's because of all the work that you've put in and that commitment that you've made over the previous, you know, one to two years in that case. Mm-hmm. And then another element is, so I had, the, I had a similar thing with with yoga. Um, I can't remember if I've spoken about this on the podcast before or not, but uh, if I have, I apologize. You're going to hear it again. That I wanted to do yoga every day. That was like, I wanted mm-hmm. to be the kind of person that did yoga every day. And anyway, I started doing this and I, I did the typical managed to get to sort of 30 days, maybe even a little bit longer. I can't remember exactly uh, to, you know, a few weeks anyway. And, uh, and then it started to fade off and I would start to, you know, make excuses. Either woke up a little bit late or I, had, I just hadn't planned my time properly or hadn't allowed enough time, or maybe I just couldn't be bothered, or maybe I was just a bit achy that day or whatever it was. And, would, and then it would start mm-hmm. to fall apart. And before I knew it, I was no longer doing it and then i really started to sort of explore it's like well why did i give up why did i stop that anyway I, once i really started to get to the the bottom of it it was i realized that i thought to be someone who does yoga every day i've got to do at least 30 minutes and there was that there was this there was this time zone of this 30 minutes so actually there have been plenty of times where i had 10 minutes or 15 or 20 but because i didn't have 30 available not worth doing so I didn't right. do it. So I then re- completely reapproached that strategy. And, and now I'm the kind of person that does yoga every day, even if that's only 30 seconds or two minutes or five minutes or 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. So which leads me on to expectations. You know, we mm-hmm. all set these expectations about how we should behave or how we should you know, act or show up in the world. And again, I think this can sometimes be quite overpowering when we're hearing these messages from the gurus who say this is what you should do this is what you should do the problem is every time you start shoulding yourself you then you're pinning yourself into a corner and you basically if i don't show up exactly like that then i'm not doing it right and then that's an excuse to beat yourself up and you know we talk about the self-love that's a that's a good excuse to say actually maybe i'm not good enough you know you know maybe it's me maybe i'm the problem you know, and and now I can't make progress. How, how how do I how do I get past this? So it's, and I think this is going to be obviously different for everybody. Of course, you know, some people are naturally going to find certain things easier than others. And I think, as as Ferkins suggested, it's like you find one habit that you already do, whether that be brushing your teeth in the morning or getting out of bed or opening the curtains or whatever it is something that you just happen to do already every day and this is something that i say james clear talks about this habit stacking idea and then just attaching one desirable habit to that and it can be the tiniest thing drink a glass of water you know mm-hmm. maybe i'm not drinking enough water today well how can i do that i can tie it into something i'm already doing and then the brain is amazing at automating processes but it needs to do it enough times for it to become automated so i think it's uh yeah, it, it's fascinating both seeing it in myself as you're talking. I almost like feel like I'm being called out, but then also recognizing that I have the power to to do something, right. do something about sure. it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's having compassion for yourself too, and that's the biggest lesson because um, I'm my harshest critic, and most people are for themselves. So <clears throat> initially, as I was trying to work on these habits, if I fell short, as I mentioned earlier, I would feel guilty, and I carry that guilt around. But I had to really reframe that and and look at it from a different perspective. That okay, this, things are going to happen that are outside my control. Like especially when I'm traveling, whether it's personal or for work, um, I can't stick to a lot of those habits because I don't have all the things I need or sometimes I can't just wake up early, especially if I'm in a different time zone. So again, it's being kind to myself, recognizing this is my temporary situation and there's nothing preventing me from getting back on it. And often that requires me to write that to to myself as part of my journaling practice that, okay, just be patient, be calm, because um, I feel like that guilt for, for not sticking to those things really pulls me down. But how can I be my ally through all, this, through all of this? And that's been one of the biggest changes I've had to go through as part of the self-love journey is being my biggest ally. And we're not that, right? And so so how can I speak to myself kindly in those moments where I'm not happy with the situation and recognize that sometimes it's not in my control and just focus on the things that are in my control. So if that means I'm having to give up certain things of my routine, how can I continue to stick with the other ones that are in my control um, and, and then still getting the most out of it? So talking to that, do you, do you feel that along this journey that you've had to sacrifice anything? Yeah, I mean, I've had to constantly do an audit on myself and majority of the time it's recognizing, okay, what kind of habits am I still engaging in? What kind of behaviors am I still engaging in that are uh, preventing me from living the life I want to live? And then it's being honest with myself. If I'm not give, <laughs> ready to give up some behaviors, it's like, okay, I'm not ready to give this up. I will circle back in a month, maybe six months, or, or giving myself a deadline that, hey, you know, after a month, you're going to try to move away from this behavior or do something different. It's also required me to look at my social circle and the people I was spending time with and prioritizing the people that uplifted me or I enjoyed spending time with and I felt this positive energy and I didn't feel this drain. So then I've had to sacrifice certain friendships or acquaintances. And in some cases, I've had to uh, tell people that or or just do it on my own. Um, so yeah, a lot of things I've had to sacrifice, even the, like I said earlier, being mindful of what I was putting into my body and a lot of things in terms of that I enjoyed to eat and letting those go, recognizing that they weren't good for my health or they weren't beneficial for me. And sometimes the impact was immediate or sometimes the impact is long-term, but it's having those conscious decisions that you make and, and being, I think the biggest thing I've realized is being honest with myself and not deluding myself. Yeah. So you, you, you touched on friendships there and you took, touched on the, this element of, um, you know, you have, you have to sacrifice some, some friendships, but what has learning to love yourself or maybe rephrase how has learning to love yourself impacted 
your relationships in general, like all the relationships with people yeah. you know, in a positive sense? Like what, what, what has been the difference and, and how's that? Shown? Absolutely. I, I think just finding through loving myself, I've been able to feel joy and peace in my life. And I'm content because I'm not seeking validation from others. I'm not personalizing a lot of the things that people do, whereas I used to because I had this negative view of myself. So I would tend I tended to anything anytime someone did something, I would personalize it and be like, oh, it's because I'm this or they think of me this way. So through all of that, through that journey, like I said, I have I experienced this sense of peace and love and joy every day and people around me also can tell right and that's really improved my relationships because i'm not putting any expectations on others i'm not projecting my trauma or my anger onto others i meet everyone with the same compassion that i hope to give myself and understanding and looking at everyone that hey everyone's on their own journey and sometimes people are struggling sometimes people are figuring it out themselves just like i was and just like i am uh, it's it's a never-ending journey but that's really because i'm able to meet everyone with that sense of compassion and empathy it allows for a deeper connection and that's really uh improved all my relationships including with my family members my close friends and there's a mutual respect now and uh, a sense of love that we all experience. And I'm super grateful for that because that's not something I experienced before because I was constantly angry and upset about what was going on. And often that anger was projected onto others because I was angry with myself because I was unhealed. So it was easy for me to get triggered. Um, and that often pushes people away right and then when you have those situations where you're projecting your own trauma and anger onto others they're doing the same back to you and you're just mirroring each other and that just creates a, a lot of friction yeah so like the when you talk about those relationships and it's about again coming back to i mentioned expectations earlier we, we we go through life having all of these expectations of other people about how they should behave how they should show up and then getting angry and frustrated and annoyed when they don't show up in the way mm -hmm. that we had hoped or expected and and it leaves yeah. us and i'm sometimes hesitant to use this word because i think it can be misinterpreted but i'll use the word victim um mm -hmm. of course they genuinely are perpetrators and victims in given dynamics and settings and crimes and events and things but it's one thing giving it a very specific definition it's another thing wearing it as a label wearing mm -hmm. it as an identity that you've, yeah. you've maybe been hard done by or you're interpreting a situation as being hard done by something's been unfair i mean let's say you and i both recognize that the impacts that infidelity can have on on our relationships from from both mm. sides of the spectrum and then and then wearing the sort of the the victim label and almost like shutting yourself in a room to 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 a sense where well i can't walk out of this room until the other person changes their behavior you know i can't uh, i can't move into a uh, you know the only way to get out of this relationship or to sorry to find a better relationship is to change the partner or for them mm -hmm. to change their behavior uh, but then that mm -hmm. keeps you completely trapped and you can't move forward and you become completely well paralyzed in 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 mm -hmm. some sense you know um i was also going to ask about so you'd mentioned that 
you you've been through a period of therapy for for two or three years yourself um as as a, a client is that the right word um, yeah and then you then obviously were then into another relationship and that that didn't end in the way that you had had hoped or maybe it had formed over and, that, and that, this is this, this is during the period where you'd been in therapy is that right yeah yeah it was all happening yeah. at this time, also, so. yeah sure yeah okay so just just be interested yeah so just interesting to sort of just to see and and your just your idea of how you thought therapy helped and what what was good and what came out of that for you and and what wasn't for you at that time and what you later found to you know send you on this current path yeah yeah i mean the therapy really allowed me to um be able to talk through the shame and give it a name and then at the same time also start recognizing a lot of as i mentioned the trauma i was carrying around from childhood and bringing it to my conscious awareness and then looking at it from a place of forgiveness for others and myself which allowed me to feel liberated now there was still a lot of work i needed to do on myself but unfortunately because I had put myself in another relationship coming out of my marriage, it wasn't giving me the space or the opportunity to, to heal because we, it was almost like a trauma bond where both my partner at the time and I had come out of our marriages and jumped into this thing. And we were just projecting our trauma onto each other. And because we hadn't taken that time to heal, it was just not going to happen. So, when I came out of it, like I said, I had to really look inward and and be conscious of it because it would have been easy for me to continue to delude myself and avoid and and distract myself by putting myself in other relationships or constantly being surrounded by women. But that was not an enabling my growth. So it was recognizing, okay, well, I'm in this space. I'm talking about all these things and I'm trying to be an advocate for other men but i'm not really doing all the work myself right i'm doing bits and pieces of it i'm picking and choosing say, and yeah. yeah whatever feels convenient i'm doing whatever is easy i'm doing but i'm not really living that life and when i fully stepped into it and started healing and now that i'm coming out of it slowly it's for a lot of people it's obvious too right so it's they, they can see that I've made that transformation. So when I talk about it now, it's coming from a place of experience and I'm almost walking the talk, but I didn't get there initially. And it, it had to take a lot of time for myself to do it, to do it and, and then stick with it. Right. And hold myself accountable, which wasn't happening before. It is so clear to see. And I think it's so clear it's something I recognize well in in myself and you know and people's observations of me over the last you know so many years that when you do turn inward you know which is often not a very pleasant place to to want to go you know there's lots of no. things there that we've we've hidden away and you know and not faced and I mean I've I've always been quite self-exploratory but uh, even so i've still learned an awful lot about myself in, in the last mm -hmm. few years and that then it's like you can still kind of show up in what you feel like is the same way but people start to see you differently there's obviously something different that 
that that you're giving off that mm-hmm. that is interpreted in yeah whether it's this air of sort of maybe an air of authority or expertise or confidence or maybe just at peace just not dependent not yeah. frustrated not on edge Absolutely. not on yeah you know not agitated in in some way and of course i know this is going to be different for everybody but there's there's rewards that you don't expect i think is probably what i'm trying to get to you know you, you yeah there's it it's it's reflected in ways that you probably never anticipated uh, right. and then all of a sudden all kinds of metaphorical doors start opening up you know whether that be in your personal life and your friendships and your relationships or maybe even in the business world you know wh- whatever or in your in your workplace whatever whatever it is for you it it yeah you, you can't sing its praises high enough but it does require work it does require mm-hmm. commitment it does require intention and and like that focused goal and i think i don't know whether you this this rings true for you but for for me and for for the people i work with one of the key things is like setting that specific goal of some description it doesn't have to be like perfectly ironed out but it's almost like if you get in the car and you're trying to head to a specific destination or you're trying to go somewhere, you need to know where you're going so you can put the you know the postcode or the address into the GPS into the sat nav, and otherwise we'd just get in the car and just drive and randomly who knows where we'd end up you know and I, and I think most people go through life without putting the the details in the GPS. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I find it absolutely fascinating to both sort of like self-reflect, but also to see it in others, and it's, it is wonderful to see. So, what what point did you decide that this was going to become a book, and you were going to sort of start to talk about yeah, this in that direction? For sure, absolutely. I mean, there. So there's a lot of so as you alluded to, um, going into that place of solitude was really hard because obviously there's a lot of difficult truths you have to face but then it was also uncomfortable because I I would like to think I was a fairly extroverted person and I enjoyed being around people but I also enjoyed being around people for the sake of being around people because I didn't enjoy being alone at home and that was probably the biggest challenge getting comfortable with that but now it's something I actually really, really value. And I've, I would say I've probably shifted closer to the introverted side. And, um, and um, so, so that getting used to that where now I can tell where my energy levels are falling and I, I recognize that, okay, maybe I need to go home and read a book and, and ground myself and connect with myself again. So through that process, I realized that okay, um, there's a lot of these self-reflection moments I had and a lot of these thoughts that I thought about and and reflected on. And over time, it became a collection of things. And I decided to make a book out of it and share it with others to see if they could also take it and, and learn. And what this book really comprises of is my thoughts that I sat with and that came to me in my moments of reflection. So I share the thought and then I ask, I talk through the thought in terms of, okay, well, it's my personal experience. And then I ask the the reader questions so that they can journal about it in the book itself. I've provided space for, for the readers to journal. And the way I've approached it is it's 
30 messages and reflections that I share with the, the readers with the hopes that they do this every day or every second day and build this habit into their life because typically any habit can take 30 to 60 days if you do it consistently. So, so that's really the hope to enable people to journal and reflect on those things that I reflected on. And part of it was also to learn about what, what goes into publishing a book, how complicated it is, it, it is and, and get some experience. So if in the future I want to write more books, I know what it takes and how I can be prepared. And there's a lot of things I learned from this whole experience. Maybe we we'll we'll probably... we'll have a separate call to discuss that as well. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but it's things uh, things I've learned that I probably, if I were to do it again, I, I would be mindful of and, and not repeat those mistakes. But in all, all of it, it's it's it comes back to this journey that we, we go on. And to your point earlier, you almost need to have some sort of destination, but don't get too attached to the destination because then you fall back into those expectations that you've talked about. And, and I talk about expectations a lot, too, because... Um, anytime we fall short, you have to be mindful of what kind of internal narrative or dialogue are you having with yourself when you're falling short of those expectations, because that can also prevent you from loving yourself, because you may have a negative view of yourself when, when you're not meeting those expectations. So focus, you know, have a destination in mind, but recognize that that destination evolves, it changes. You know, you may set a goal for yourself, but as you learn more, that goal can shift. Um, so, so the what I try to tell people is focus on the journey, enjoy it, be more present, and that's where I think a lot of people are seeing the change in me is because I'm not frustrated or stressed out or you know experiencing anxiety. I'm at peace, but I'm also present. So when I'm engaging in interactions with the people that I care about, I'm present and they can tell. And it creates a place of safety, non-judgment and, and people gravitate towards that. But that's been the biggest piece, even with the book, it, it was a journey that I didn't know what it was gonna look like, but no. enjoying all of it and, and not getting too caught up on the final destination. Amazing. Well, thank you, Furkan. It's been an uh, absolute pleasure. And I think that's a, a great way to summarize everything that we've spoken about today. And uh, the book sounds really, really good. So could you let us know how people can get hold of this, how can, uh, if they can contact you? Yeah. Sure, good, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly active on social media. The main platform I use is Instagram. So my handle on Instagram is Unoya Zen. It's uh, E-U-N-O-I-A-Z-E-N. Uh, for people that are curious, Unoya is a Greek word for beautiful mind. And that's something I aspired for and, and hope others can do that too. But uh, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And that's where you can find uh, information about the book. And then I also have a podcast for people that are interested. It's called Easy Conversations. So EZ from the Unoya Zen and conversations with the hope of normalizing a lot of these conversations that people don't have or shy away from and, and try to give people something where they can feel that, oh, I can relate to this. Uh, someone else's experience is very similar to mine because 
as I experienced and what I hear from other people, when we're going through those difficult times in our lives, we feel so alone because we feel like I'm the only one going through this and no one's going to understand, but that's not the case. Someone out there is going through something similar. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing, but the experience they're having is perhaps similar. Perfect. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Perk, and it's been wonderful to have you on the show, and uh, maybe we can talk again sometime in the future. Thank you. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you. As always, I will include all of Fakan's details in the show notes, which you can find as you scroll down in your respective podcast app below the episode. I'd love to know what it was that you took away most from today's conversation. For me, it's just that pattern that's being repeated so many times this a significant unfortunate or unwanted situation happens in our lives but we can use that as the catalyst for something so much more and even though we do go to a lower place a place that we probably wouldn't have voluntarily gone to had these set of circumstances not happened the fact that we do we grow so much as a human being so much as an individual and really Without clicheing it, the sky sort of is the limit. You can aim and rewrite your story and target your future in a way very, very intentionally that you probably never did beforehand. If you are inspired by some of the stories that you hear on this podcast and in other places of people completely changing their life from a place of adversity to a place of fulfilment, but you don't know where to start, then reach out. Let's talk. You can contact me directly at luke at lifecoachluke.com. I respond to all my emails personally. You could also book a discovery call, which is completely free. There's no obligation. We can talk through your situation. I can give you some advice, some reflections, some ideas about what you can do next and where you can go. Of course, if we're a good fit, we can look at what working together might look like, but that's not the objective. So please, if you're on the fence and you're like ready to press that schedule now button, but you've been holding back, just do it and let me help you get some action steps in place today. So that's everything I have for you today. Thank you ever so much again for listening and I can't wait to speak to you all again next week.